if you want to avoid all the sickness this winter, the snotty noses, the coughs, the colds, the sleepless nights, the fevers, the Panadol and the antibiotics, the ear infections, the grumpy, tired kids, the days off work and school and childcare, are all those memories of last winter coming back? I'm here to tell you that it doesn't have to be that way this winter. I have a free online masterclass, three simple ways to boost your kids' immunity to avoid a winter full of sickness. It's on demand, meaning you can register and watch it straight away or watch it at a time that is convenient for you. Head on over to naturalsuperkids.com forward slash immune and you will be able to sign up. In the masterclass, I am covering our natural, simple and effective approach to avoiding winter infections, how to boost your family's immunity with our proven three-step naturopathic strategy that is really easy for you to implement as a busy mum. We're going to talk about the immune depleters that you need to avoid so you're not wasting time and money building up your kids' immunity that is just being depleted by these common foods and environmental factors. I am sharing heaps of practical tips. I promise it will be an hour well spent. You can register again at naturalsuperkids.com forward slash immune. I can't wait to hear how you find it and to give you the tips to make this winter healthier. Welcome to the Natural Super Kids podcast, where you will discover practical strategies to inspire you to boost the health and nutrition of your kids. I'm Jessica Donovan, a qualified naturopath specializing in kids' health, and I want to make it as easy as possible for you to raise healthy and happy kids. Let's get into it. Hello, welcome back to the podcast. So happy to have you listening in today. We're going to continue with the the back to school theme. So last week we chatted about back to school anxiety and how to manage that um, within your kids. So if you missed that episode, you can go back to last week's episode and have a listen to that. Another really common challenge with this sort of back to school transition time is hyperactivity in kids. So I want to talk about that today. So kids who are hyperactive, um, you know, are, are full of beans, full of energy. They can be fidgety. They can be restless. They can be easily bored. They have trouble sitting still or staying quiet um, if and when needed. They may rush through things and make careless mistakes. They're, they're often very physically energetic. So they climb, they jump, they wrestle. You know, they really need to get that energy out. Um, they can also have trouble sleeping um, as well. So there's lots of kind of, you know, issues that can go along with hyperactive kids. And look, I hear from parents all the time that they wish they had the energy that their kids had, but hyperactivity is more than just, you know, an energetic child. And so I want to talk about how to manage 
this hyperactivity in kids. And I also want to talk about some of the the triggers um, that can lead to hyperactivity in kids. So to start, I really want to talk about the diet because what I find often is if we can really um, make some changes to the diet and understand some of these triggers that can lead to hyperactivity in our kids, that can be enough. You know, we, we um, often don't sort of need to go any further. So when it comes to dietary triggers, food additives are definitely at the top of the list. So this is the number one trigger that I see in clinic when it comes to hyperactive children. If I am ever talking to parents with kids with ADHD or kids on the spectrum that have that that issue with hyperactivity, um, one of the first things I'll always recommend is looking at cutting down on the food additives. So food additives are chemicals that are used in processed packaged food to make the food more appealing. So they can make the food look better. They can make it taste better, you know, flavor enhancers, um, and they can also make it last longer on the shelf. So we're seeing more and more food additives, unfortunately, in the food that our kids are eating. Um, and there's a, you know, there, there can be a real, a real range of food additives, some that are more problematic in our diet than others. So having a look at your kids' food additive intake is really important. We know that food additives can act as a trigger for kids with conditions such as ADHD and autism. But um, studies also show that even kids without these conditions can become hyperactive when given additives. And I'm sure every parent out there has seen this you know, present in their children after being at a party or, you know, eating a bag of of lollies with artificial colours in them, how crazy our kids can become. So there was a study that looked at a group of three-year-olds and the three-year-olds were either either given an artificial colour, a preservative or a placebo. And it's no surprise that the kids, the kids that were given the additives, the artificial color or the preservative showed more signs of hyperactivity. So we'll talk more about how to start to reduce some of these additives later on in the podcast. It's really something that we should all be more aware of. The other thing that can lead to hyperactivity in kids, and some people are surprised by this, it's the food intolerances and the food sensitivities. So um, when a child reacts to a food, it sets off, it, it often sets off an immune reaction in the body and this creates inflammation um, and this inflammation affects the brain and the nervous system. So the end result is a hyperactive a hyperactive child who is prone to meltdowns and tantrums. You know, they go up and then they come crashing back down again. So that inflammation that that reaction is causing for that child is leading to the hyperactivity because of the inflammation caused in the brain and the nervous system. So um, unfortunately, many of the sensitivities and intolerances that commonly lead to hyperactivity um, are the the sensitivities that are naturally, the sensitivities to 
two naturally occurring chemicals, such as salicylates, for example. And this can be really hard to pick up. So if you've got a hyperactive child and you really can't get on top of what it is that's triggering them, some of these naturally um, occurring food chemicals could definitely be the answer. But you really do need to work with a practitioner to, to figure this out. The more common kind of um, intolerances, sensitivities, allergies in kids such as dairy don't commonly cause hyperactivity. I mean, they can, but it's not as common as those more naturally occurring food chemicals like the salicylates and the amines. Um, and also there can be intolerances and sensitivities to the food additives as well. You know, if you've got two children and they're both given the same food that's full of additives, one of those ch children might actually cope with that okay and another child might not. And this can sometimes be caused by an intolerance or a sensitivity to food additives themselves. So, um, yeah, they can kind of link in together in this way. Now, a really obvious trigger for hyperactivity is sugar. You know, we often think to, all right, how much sugar has this child eaten? Why are they acting so crazy? Um, so sugar is an obvious culprit for those high energy levels. And I think we've all seen firsthand our kids, you know, come home from that birthday party um, sugar filled and they're, they're, they're acting really crazy. So sugar disrupts the balance of blood sugars and therefore it affects energy levels. Uh, sugar can also be detrimental to gut health and the bacteria in the digestive tract. So over the long term, this affects a child's mood and behaviour through the gut-brain connection. Um, but it's, it's often really obvious when our kids have eaten too much sugar. And they go crazy and then they have that big crash again at the end of it, just as they do with that sort of food intolerance reaction where they're having meltdowns and tantrums. So another thing I want to talk about is activity levels in kids. So what I often see is kids aren't moving enough and kids that are hyperactive really need to move a lot. I'm thinking back to um, a client that I was seeing regularly a couple of years ago um, and he had been diagnosed with ADHD. And one of the things that made the world of difference for him um, in terms of being able to sit still and concentrate um, and, you know, do his work once he got to school was mum taking 20 minutes to take him for a run down at the beach or to the park or for a bike ride before school. It made a huge amount of difference just getting that energy um, out before school. And I know when I was homeschooling my kids, when we did a big trip around Australia, my son particularly, he needed regular activity breaks to be able to concentrate. You know, his concentration span was not very long. Um, I think it was about eight at the time. And I used to go, right, go do a lap of the caravan park on your bike and come back and we'll do more work afterwards. So that activity level is, is really important. And how much kids move throughout a typical day has changed dramatically from when we were kids. When we were younger, we spent way more time outside than kids do these days. So we would be naturally active outside. Kids are naturally energetic. So if they spend more time inside, they will need to burn off that extra energy. And every child is different with how much movement is enough. 
Um, but in most cases, kids that sh- that exert these kind kind of hyperactive hyperactive behaviours can really benefit from more movement and activity um, than than what they're currently getting. So that might mean some activity before school. That might mean you know a walk or a bike ride or a jump on the trampoline after dinner, so that they're able to sleep better. It'll look different for every child. And that really ties in with the screen time. So previous generations have never spent so much time in front of a screen. This can be really tricky to navigate, um, especially as screens are becoming more commonly used at school, for homework and for recreation time. You know, before we know it, our kids are spending hours and hours and hours every day on a screen. But the amount of screen time does um, does contribute to the likelihood of, of having a hyperactive child um, on your hands. So one study in adolescence has shown that the risk of ADHD symptoms, including hyperactivity, could more than double with high use of screens. The interesting part that was um, was that playing video games alone at night was linked to this massive increase in risk. But when they were played during the day and with other people, with family members, it didn't increase the risk in this in this particular study. So I'm going to link an article that I've written about hyperactivity in, in children in the show notes and all the links to these research um, articles that, I've, that I'm talking about are in here. So you can have a look at those um, in, in more depth. So when our kids are playing games, you know, and they're being social at the same time, that seems to have a bit of a protective effect. And also, you know, that the, the big no-no is, pl- is, is using screens prior to bedtime because it does really um, affect that uh, melatonin production, which helps us to get off to sleep. So mood disorders are another trigger of hyperactivity in kids. So there's many different mood conditions that can contribute things like um, bipolar, depression, anxiety. Um, Anxiety is the the most common, definitely. And when you think about it, anxiety is a heightened reaction of the nervous system. So even kids who are quiet and withdrawn when they're anxious will be more hyperactive once they feel comfortable and safe, usually once they get home. So they've been, you know, quiet, withdrawn all day at school because they're feeling that anxiety. They get home to their safe place and all of a sudden they've got lots of this hyperactive, crazy energy. Um, so that means we cop it all as, as parents. So keep that in mind if your child is hyperactive. It could be related to things like anxiety um, and not so commonly things like bipolar, depression as well. Sensory overload is a big one as well. So um, sensory processing disorder is, you know, becoming more and more common. And even if, you know, your child hasn't been diagnosed with the sensory processing disorder, they will still, it's still really common for kids to have sensory issues, sensory overload issues. um, And there's all kinds of different sensory issues that kids can sort of have. So, 
when kids have sensory overload, they easily become overwhelmed by their senses. And there's a subgroup of kids with sensory processing issues um, that are sensory seeking. So that makes them more prone to hyperactive behavior. So if you've had, you know, your child assessed or, um, or anything like that for sensory processing, you would know more about, you know, sensory seeking. And these are the kids that tend to be more prone to that hyperactive behavior. Even kids without neurological conditions like sensory processing disorder or ADHD or kids that are on the spectrum can still become easily overstimulated. If you go somewhere with loud entertainment, big crowds, your kids will often become hyperactive. Um, but this experience is, you know, tenfold or even more for kids with sensory processing disorder. So that sensory overload is something we want to be considering as well. So how do we manage a hyperactive child, um, you know, maybe without resorting to, to medications? And look, medications can be helpful sometimes, particularly for kids with um, you know, a neurodevelopmental condition such as ADHD or kids that are on the spectrum. But there's lots we can do with diet, with lifestyle. Um, you know, we can try these things first for sure. So the first thing is to focus on diet and increasing the amount of fresh foods in the child's diet. So having that whole food based diet, this helps to minimize their intake of food additives and of sugar and include lots of the really important nutrients that are needed to support healthy, balanced energy, healthy brain, healthy neurological um, system as well. So, you know, we're all about fresh, whole food eating for kids here at Natural Super Kids. But we, I also understand that it's that it's harder, you know, than it sounds. Um, so a, a slow step-by-step -step approach is really important. Maybe you can start by switching over a processed breakfast cereal to something more wholesome, um, even if it's just something like whole grain toast with some scrambled eggs or a chia pudding or a smoothie. It doesn't have to be complicated or a healthy muffin that you've baked ahead of time. Um, make these changes one by one and you'll, it will make a big difference to this hyperactivity. As I said, reducing food additives is really important. So I love to implement a, a diet um, called the AFC free diet and a, um, AFC is additives, flavorings and colorings. So the AFC free diet um, is where we reduce the more problematic additives, flavorings and colorings. It doesn't mean that, you know, you have to eliminate everything. But as a general rule and for a, a really practical tip to get started is to eliminate any of the numbers between 100 and 175. So this is just a starting point, but those food additives with a number between 100 and 175 are the colors that are added to our food. So that's a really great start. 
Um, but this is, you know, not a complete approach to the the AFC free diet. Uh, we can help you to guide you through this um, in our one on one online consultation. So you can check out our book and appointment page if you're interested in, you know, exploring this with a practitioner and getting that support while you're doing it. Now, looking at gut health is really important, as it is with everything. I think I talk about gut health in every single episode. <laughs> um, but that all-important gut-brain connection um, is super important when we're talking about hyperactivity, you know, particularly when your child's hyperactivity is triggered by a mood disorder such as anxiety. Um, so brain chemicals such as dopamine and serotonin are produced within the gut. And if gut health and the microbiome health isn't as good as it could be, then these chemicals can become out of balance, which can lead to mood mood issues um, and also the hyperactive hyperactivity as well. So looking at gut health is always a good idea. Um, and I'll pop a link to our gut, our, our free gut health ebook in the comments um, in case you haven't seen it. And that will give you a good step-by-step approach of starting to improve your child's and overall family's gut health. Sleep. Sleep is super important. And tiredness was something that I didn't mention before. But when our kids are tired, you know, that can lead to hyperactivity. I was ba- I was reminded of this last weekend when I was well, I was babysitting my niece, my two-year-old niece, um, a gorgeous little thing. And <laughs> she's also a crazy little thing. Um, and as she got tireder, she didn't nap while she was at my house. She just became crazier and crazier. <laughs> so tiredness is often a cause of, of hyperactivity. So quality sleep can often help when when balancing that hyperactive energy. Hyperactive kids are more likely to experience sleep issues. So it's this kind of, you know, catch 22 or downward spiral, downward spiral, you know, less sleep, more hyperactivity, less sleep, more hyperactivity. So optimizing our child's sleep, which is a huge subject, um, is really important when it comes to hyperactive children, making sure our kids are getting enough sleep and keeping them off screens for the hour, at least the hour before bed. Um, look, TVs aren't as problematic as things like phones and um, iPads and laptops uh, with more of the, the blue light kind of screens that does suppress our melatonin production, which makes it harder for us to go off to sleep. So that's a big tip when it comes to sleep and getting our kids to sleep early enough. My kids think I'm I'm um, awful for making them, you know, go to bed at 8.30, 9 o'clock when they're back at school, um, my 14-year-old particularly. But I know that he needs that amount of sleep and he's going to be struggling to get up in the morning for school if he hasn't gone to bed at that time. Um, so I think a lot of kids, particularly teenagers, are not getting enough sleep. So um, getting onto that is, is really important. And look, screen time is here to stay. We are, we can't keep our kids off screens altogether. Well, we could, but it's probably unrealistic for most of us. Um, but balancing that green that screen time with green time, um, kids need outside time, active time to really thrive. That fresh air, that sunshine, it's key in supporting brain and nervous system health in children. So 
you maybe can agree on a guideline about how much time they need to be spending playing outside to balance the screen time that they're having. We need to be realistic. This is a great thing to be chatting to your kids about. Come up with a a compromised plan together, depending on on their age, of course. Um, But just make sure that you're balancing that screen time with lots of outdoor active time as well. Kids feel better for it. You know, it can be hard that initial getting them off the screen, but most kids will have a good time once they're outside, once they're playing. Um, we need to sort of, you know, make sure that they're doing things outside that are enjoyable for them so that they want to be be spending more time outside. I mean, over the over the um, school holidays when we were in in isolation, actually, when we had COVID, we had picked, we'd found this beach ball, this cheap little blow up beach ball at the beach. It just kind of blew to us one day and we just popped it in the car so it um, didn't end up as as litter. That ball was our saviour when we were in isolation. My daughter loved it. It was just so easy. We would just play um, volleyball or we'd make up all these different rules outside and we would go out multiple times a day. She's she's definitely harder to get outside than my my son is. And she was instigating, let's go out time outside, time, time for a break from screens. Let's go out t- outside and, and play with the volleyball. So, you know, having that one that that thing or changing things up a bit with a new ball as it can be really as simple as that um to get our kids outside it gets harder as they get older you know when kids are little it's easier to set up that mud kitchen and get them engaged in outside play but we do need to get a bit more creative as they get older uh and and we can kind of come up with with new ideas or um you know ask them what they might want to do when when they're outside get out a tennis racket. Um, You know, there's lots of different things that we can do, probably lots of things that you've got stored away in your shed or your spare room that you could pull out again to get the kids involved in, in getting outside a little bit more. So just to finish off, I'll also pop a link to our quick and easy healthy snack ideas in the comments because I feel like a lot of the issues with the diet that can link to hyperactivity like the sugar, like the additives do come in mostly through snack time. And so, you know, one of the changes that you could definitely make is thinking about those healthier snacks for your kids. So uh, download that free ebook for lots of ideas that you don't even have to bake um, that that are quick and healthy and easy for your kids' snacks. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode about hyperactivity in children um, and I'll be back next week with a new episode. I'll see you then. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Head on over to our website, naturalsuperkids.com for the show notes for this episode, as well as a whole heap of inspiration to help you raise healthy and happy kids. I'll see you next week.
Before you go, don't forget about my free online on-demand masterclass, Three Simple Ways to Naturally Boost Your Kids' Immunity to Avoid a Winter Full of Sickness. I'm sharing my practical tips on ways that you can strengthen your whole family's immune system to avoid the onslaught of winter infections so your family can stay healthy and well this winter. You can sign up at naturalsuperkids.com forward slash immune.